from Los Angeles, California. This is the Writer's Strike Chronicles, and I'm Tanya Barnes. Hello, everybody. Today is Sunday, February 24th, 2008. Later today, the Oscars will broadcast, and tomorrow, the membership of the Writers Guild of America will vote to ratify or reject the proposed contract. Be sure to get all the official news and updates at the Guild's official website, WGA.org. In today's episode, I talk with Jamie Masada, the owner and founder of The Laugh Factory, a comedy club on the Sunset Strip for over 25 years. Every Wednesday throughout the strike, The Laugh Factory turned over all its door proceeds to the Writers Guild Foundation Industry Support Fund. This fund was set up through the Writers Guild Foundation for all below-the-line personnel in need of financial help of which the writers do not benefit. If you want to hear more information about these efforts, there's a posting on the Strike Chronicles blog at strikechronicles.com from an episode that aired last month on the American public media show Marketplace, in which Jeff Tyler reported that writers were raising money for people who work behind the scenes. Recently this week, Jack Kaiser, the head of the LA Economic Development Corp, released a 71-page report that paints a somewhat grim picture of the post-strike Los Angeles economic situation, in which he estimated the city lost $2.5 billion in revenue. That figure includes lost wages from TV shows that were canceled and films that were put on hold, as well as losses by a vast array of support services from, according to the article, limo drivers to florists. Um, but, you know, he failed to mention massage therapists. Anyway, Kaiser also estimates that the cancellation of the Golden Globes alone resulted in a $60 million loss to the L.A. economy. Even with the bad news, the town is getting back to work, but many shows are not yet in fully staffed production. Personally, I still have not gone back to work, but I'm hoping to very soon. Because of this lag time, many people below the line are still hurting desperately as a result of this strike, and so Jamie will be hosting a reconciliation benefit at the Laugh Factory Tuesday, March 4th at 8 p.m. Again, proceeds will go to the Writers Guild Foundation Industry Support Fund to assist all those non-writers above and below the line struggling financially due to the strike. The general public is invited, and for more information, visit www.laughfactory.com. Okay, let's get on with today's episode. Here we go with Jamie Masada. Yeah, we, uh, my name is Jamie Masada. I'm a founder and uh, president, and uh, make me sound a little bit classic, president of Laugh Factory. And uh, thank you very much. Right now, it's a comedian went by here, and he wanted me to plug his name. I'm not going to plug his name. That's the reason. They're always picking on me, always at the club. They never respect me. That's the comedian. No matter I do interview, whatever I do, they're always picking on me. Why do you think that is? I think I'm easy target. <laughs> you know, I mean, I know you two, three seconds, you start, you give me a hard time already. No, no, I'm just curious. I'm just curious. That's all. Well, I guess just be vulnerable 
and if they find a vulnerability about you, they punch you. Like, if your guard is not up there, bang, comedian, they're always looking for opportunity. Okay, well, here's what I'm noticing in the first few seconds that I've known you. You have an accent. I'm curious, where are you from? I am what you call a mixture of two countries. I'm Israeli and Iranian. Okay. Mom, Iran, father, Israel. So try to figure it out. Well, you know, I'm, I'm a mix as well. I'm half and half. You know, I couldn't tell. <laughs> well, the reason I ask is, um, how did you get your start here? How did I get my start? It was, uh, it was a comedian. We went on the strike. I was a little comedian, was working down the street, and we went on the strike. One of the comedians went on the Hyatt House. His name was Steve Lebecca. He jumped from Hyatt House. He's suicide. When was this? That was 1979. Oh. Then I'm walking down Sunset Boulevard, and I see this place. I'm crying to myself. I see this place for rent. I said, well, the reason I'm seeing this place for rent, maybe God trying to give me a single. And then I stood up there. Then a, a salesman was out there, a real estate salesman, was telling me this building was belonged to Groucho Marx. I said, oh, my God. This is all the puzzle coming together. I should be opening a club. And I asked the guy for his business card. And I went, I, I knew a guy, his name was Neil Israel. I went to Neil Israel. I said, Neil, I want to open a club. He said, you out of your mind. I said, no, I'm not. He said, well, how much you have? I said, I got about six, seven hundred bucks. He said, how much is the rent? I said, it's $2,800 a month at that point. Wow, 1979, okay. Yeah, and he said, you're out of your mind. You, you, you can't even pay first month, last month. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? I said, I want to open a comedy club. And he wanted to get rid of me. He said, Jamie, if you come in with a name of a club that I like, I might help you out. I said, okay. So I went at night, all night stay up. Next morning, I, you know running by his house, knocking his door, screaming, hey, Neil, Neil, and he waking up, what the heck you want? I said, listen, I came up with a name, it would be perfect. It's name for what? He forgot what he was saying. I said, the comedy club you were going to open. So, oh, okay, what's the name? I said, the name is Yoke and a Joke, <laughs> meaning you go have an omelet, I was thinking big, you know, like a franchise. Everywhere, anytime you go, go have a little omelet and a joke with it. I thought it was a great idea. I mean, I still think I want to one day be able to open your kind of joke, like a McDonald's comedy club. And he said, I hate the name. I said, you kidding me? He said, no. He said, I, said, I said, Neil, I just took me all night to come up with the name. He said, I, I hate it. Go, get, get out of here. I said, okay. And I think he had a girl in the house. He was getting late or something. And I came by time. So I just took off. And I came by here. I kept on looking around the building, walking around the building. And finally, I said, God, this is place Groucho used to do his material. That's a factory making people laugh. And that's how I came with the name of Laugh Factory. Then I went to the guy, make a long story short. He backed me up. He gave me $10,000. The Laugh Factory was born. And my first comic going on my stage is Richard Pryor. It and would you please life. tell me the story of, of the first night you opened the club, please? First night I opened the club, I had an MC. It was a, really one of the guys that I have a lot of respect for in business. His name is Paul Mooney. He's a comedian. Really one of the most respectable, greatest person that I think I know. 
and he's very honest. A lot of people they stole his material, his character, and his being. You know, and he used to write for Richard Pryor. He writes for Eddie Murphy, Red Fox, everybody. So I remember he was very kind to me. I said, Paul, I'm opening this club called Laugh Factory. So you kidding me, isn't it? So where is it? And he came looking. I said, that's a, a little a hole in the wall. That's what they call it. I said, I'm opening a Thursday night. So you're going to be emceeing my club and I'm going to get a couple of comics. He said, oh, don't worry about it. I'll bring you a couple of comics too. I said, good. So he came in MC for me and he went on the stage and he said, ladies and gentlemen, before I start doing any jokes and anything on the stage, I want to bring a gentleman to serenade this stage, one of the best in the business. So ladies and gentlemen, Richard Pryor. Richard Pryor, I did have a door in here with black curtain in, in front of it. So it was little bushes. I'm describing the laugh factory, the door coming in. Richard was behind that curtain and he walked out there and my eyes popped out. Then end of the night, after he did about 35 to 40 minutes and Paul went, then another couple of comics we have, we went on. And then I collected all of the money from the door. I tried to pay all of the comedians. And I was the first club in the country to pay comedian, actually. That's what I'm, yeah, yeah. That's what you're known for. Uh, yeah, and then at that point, Richard was about $3 he was going to get from me. I said, Richard, man, thank you very much for coming by. Here's your three bucks. I was going to give him in a quarter. He said, you mother... Beep, 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 beep. Oh, you can say what he said. Yeah, you, you out of your mind? I said, what are you talking about? He said, you motherfucker crazy. Uh, I said, you give me quarters? He actually said, I'm going to help you. And he put his hand in his pocket. He brought that much $100 bill out of his pocket. He took one of the $100 bill. Out and he read, I still have the $100 bill. He said, good luck, boy. You need this for your rent. Richard. Wow. So there was a lot of love in the yeah, comedy was, world. No, it was a lot of love. And he gave me that. And I was so stupid. I got on his annoyed and I made him aggravated. I said, Richard, thank you very much. And do you print these up? <laughs> he said, what are you talking about? I said, well, I, you know, hey, you think I'm a foreigner? What is, what's wrong with you, Richard? I know in America they make $1 bill, $5 bill, $10 bill, 20 Man, I never see $100. Come on, this phony. He said, you motherfucker, you crazy. Yo, what's wrong with you, boy? And he actually put his hand in his pocket and brought another few hundred dollars throw at me. I said, oh, well, if I print them, I would throw them away too. I picked them up. I crawled them, I put them in my pocket. Then it used to be a place next door to me. It used to be Afon's restaurant. So Richard was talking to Paul, and I went up the next door, and he was talking about me. What's wrong with this guy? Is he retarded or something? And uh, I went to Benson. I said, Benson, can you tell me something? He said, well, do you make a $100 bill in this country? He said, yeah. I said, you're chilling me. I never seen one. I said, you're joking. I said, this is real? I showed him. He looked, he said, yeah. And I said, no. He said, you want me to show you? And he clicked his cash register. Cash register opened. He picked up this little black thing. It was in front of his cash register. Yeah. And, so, and underneath of it was $200 bill. And I looked at them. They're the same. I said, oh, my God. These are real? I mean, if I give you one of these crunchy ones, you give me $10 bill? He said, yeah, give it to me. Matter of fact, I'll give you. I have too many $10 bill. I said, Okay. And he gave it to me. I said, oh my God, this is real. So I ran back here and saw Richard. I said, Richard, I'm sorry. So I said, well, what the fuck you want now? I said, Richard, I'm sorry. I didn't know those $100 was real. 
He said, you motherfucker, you didn't know they make $100 in this country? I said, no, I never seen $100 in my life. I didn't know anything. Apologize, man. And Richard, at that point, he put arm around me. That's, we clicked as a friend. He put arm around me. He said, Paul, man, we got to take care of that boy. That motherfucker is dumb as he can come. <laughs> that's how we became friends. That's how we, you know, yeah. that's how our relationship started. Okay. Well, you received a lot of love through building your business and yeah. your career. And you give a lot of love out. You're also known for changing the economics of the biz by getting making sure comics were paid. And for promoting diversity, you're known for the black pack, for getting women comedians out, and for Latinos. Um, what do you look for in a talent? Well, I think it's just, you know, the time we started with, uh, you brought up Black Pack, the time we started with uh, Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy, Paul Mooney, Robert Townsend, Keenan Ivory Waynes, who has our senior hall, we started this thing because it wasn't that many African-American comic around. And I thought always, everybody, they get so much opportunity in this country except minorities. I know I felt that in Iran because I was Jewish in, in a different country, so I felt that for these people, they were underrepresented. So I went to them, I said, guys, you guys like Rat Pack? They said, yeah, Frank Sinatra, this. I said, guys, I got an idea. I said, what? I said, how about the Black Pack? And it took off. And Paul Mooney immediately braced it. Actually, he said, oh, that's my idea. I said, yeah, Paul, that's your idea. Absolutely, this is your idea. Then Richard liked it, and everybody liked it. And then we started doing a night called Black Pack. And then we, at that point, I realized with, I was working with Paul Rodriguez. I realized only two comics, one was before him, before I came here, Freddie Prince died. And Paul Rodriguez is not that many Latino, and Latino population is growing so much. Oh, especially in L.A. What about Canteen Floss? Well, you know, those, yeah, but they're not in the scene in Hollywood or any of that stuff was. They were working in big time. It wasn't anything in Hollywood type of stuff. You know, I mean, the community, they were coming in club with a lot of Spanish people. Coming. And we said, well, why don't we do a Latino night? We started with Latino night. Then we started, we, I realized it's not too many women in comic. So I started Laugh Factory Babes. Anyways, we did that. Then with Rhonda Shear started from there and she became she came with her boyfriend I actually made her become an MC and then she took off she became a, a, she had her own shows and a bunch of stuff and uh, then uh, we did actually Asian Invasion I mean we do it all you know I mean is it trying to figure out comedy is supposed to bring people together yeah okay and if I do for example Asian Invasion I don't put all of them Asian I put two three Asian trying to pick them up give them spot and they be popular between all of the Asian people. At the same time, I'll put African-American, white, Latino with them. Okay. So you mix the band, you, because I, I hate to separate comedy. Comedy is supposed to bring people together. That's one of my number one thing I always, you know, try to... Because I, I'm, I, myself, I consider myself a minority in here. So the time I'm a minority, i got to try work a little bit harder. You know, 
Now, I'm also the reason why we're here. Let's talk about the love that you give to the Riders and the Riders Guild during the strike. Can we talk about that, please? Well, it wasn't that much. I mean, I love writers and everything, but I think the thing sparks with me was uh, around Christmas time. And I was in a show called Gino Michelini's radio show on KLS. And we were talking about Christmas and everything. And he said to me, so what do you want to... I said, well, a lot of people that they are being... The problem is they got in the middle of crossfire between a writers and studio. And some of them, we don't know. Some of them, they make $8, $8.50, $9 an hour. They're cleaning, they're security, they are doing it. And those are the people that get hurt. Yeah. And I thought it was shame on the studio. I mean, I understand writers, producers, they're making quite a bit of money. There's something happened. I understand they want to fight. And all of that, I understand. I'm all for it. Yeah, I'm all for it. And I'm all for writers. I think they are creative. They deserve to have part of the money. Absolutely, they deserve. But I saw these people, the innocent people, they got in the middle of the crossfire. They make $8 an hour. Where are they going to find the rent? The thing we announced on Gino Michelini, then I realized all of a sudden, almost 10,000 toys, people, they were calling. And they say, well, I have a kid three years, I have a kid is nine years, I have a kid 11 years, I don't have a toy for them this year. Why? I mean, a lady came in here, she was paying $720 a month's rent for apartment that there were four people they were living in. And the four people, they were all of her dependents. And she was behind her. That's the people my heart went to. And I called one of good friend I have. He works with the Writers Guild. And I called him. I said, Bill, his name is Bill Top. I give a plug, a shout to him. And I said, Bill, listen, buddy. You know, I know his heart is the right place. I said, what do you think? He said, I'm all for that. Let me talk to a couple of people. He called a couple of people in Writers Guild. And we put this thing together. We said, okay, if some people, they want to come in, they want to contribute to people that they got in the middle of this crossfire and they can't afford to pay their rent, to do anything. And Writers Guild of America, they're wonderful. They put a, a foundation together for it called the Writers Guild Foundation. And that Writers Guild Foundation, the money goes helping the people. They are need a medical, they need a people they can buy clothes, people they need rent, it's people they are anybody. They don't have to be writers even. They help everybody. As soon as I heard that, so my heart is for, you know, I, if I can help, why not? Let's help. So what you do is you have comedy night here and then the proceeds from that night go to yes. the Writers Guild yes. Fund. What night is it? And I understand you have an event coming up. Can you talk about that as well? Yes. Every Wednesday night, 10 o'clock. Now it's that we are not doing it anymore. Okay. We're doing it on uh, March 4th. We're doing a, a celebration of Writers Guild and producers. They're all coming together. And the people that come in here, they can give a donation if they want to and give it to Writers Guild Foundation. And Writers Guild Foundation is going to take the money, give it to whoever you want to give and help them out. And I think that's a wonderful thing to do. That's the way you bring everybody together. Everybody realized, you know, we went on the strike. We did everything we can. We, we meant to everything come together and help everybody. And that's what it's all about, is bringing everybody together and be joyful time for everybody, for everybody gone back, you know, and help to everybody. That's what it's all about. Are you a writer yourself? 
I'm a writer. I'm imaginary, right? I can't write. I have dyslexia. You know, but I'm a, I, I tell good stories. Yeah, you tell excellent stories. Yes. Yeah. And, but you work in television. Oh, absolutely. I work on television, I work on radio, I work wherever they give me a mic, I to work on it. <laughs> like right now? That's right. Okay, so let's wrap this up. So you've got the Writers Guild Fund All Industry event coming up on March 4th. Anything you want my listeners to know as we wrap this up? I think your listeners, if they want to get some idea about what we do sometime, they could go to laughfactory.com, www.laughfactory.com, and see a lot of stuff we do. We do comedy camp for underprivileged kids. And again, they could go get some information at www.laughfactory.com. We do a lot of stuff. You know, we do helping people. And if you want to learn about us, what we do, what's going on, Again, for third time, I'm going to be shameless. I'm going to plug LaughFactory.com. So go see it, LaughFactory.com. Did I say it right? Okay. And I think, you know, you get some idea what we do. And um, we do not take any money or any donation from anybody, except Writers Guild Foundation. They want to give donation to them, absolutely. But we, Laugh Factory, everything we do is part of my commitment to community, to everybody, to give back. I never forget where I came from and I don't want to ever forget because I'm thankful I'm thankful to this country I'm thankful to everybody thankful to so many great friends I have in this country and that's you know one way you can be saying thanks to everybody and give back for everybody thank you very much for your time oh you're more than welcome you're more than welcome I hope you come back again interview me one, one more time so I can mention laughfactory.com <laughs> You have been listening to the Rider Strike Chronicle podcast, available for free through iTunes. For more information, visit us at www.strikechronicles.com. To contact us, please call 310-439-8754 or send us an email at info at strikechronicles.com.